Hey there, lady. You're tuned into Wine and Gine, a lively woman's health podcast hosted by two licensed midwives, Kelly Pappas and Tiffany Alblinger. We're dragging every sister, mom, and best friend on our mission to make chatting about the female body and everything that comes along with it a normal and amusing thing. Grab a glass of wine with us while we flex our vagina expertise and dish on women's health topics each episode. Remember, you too can be a vagina expert because you have one. Welcome back, Gyners. This is our final official episode of season three. Woo! Woo woo! This is Kelly and Tiffany, and we are here for a very special episode of Ask Us Anything. It is the birth edition. Why did we want to do a birth edition of Ask Us Anything? Uh, well, one because we don't—we're midwives, right? We deal a lot with uh, birth and have seen a lot of births and all that, but we don't often talk about it on the podcast, and it's a huge part of women's health. And there are a ton of questions out there about it. Yeah, and you guys asked some really good ones. So we asked you to submit all of your best questions about birth, and we picked a few really fun ones to answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite, I'm going to start with, because uh, this is a winner. Have you ever witnessed an orgasmic birth? She writes, this idea kind of blows my mind. Literally. <laughs> mind blown. <laughs> Have you witnessed one? I've never seen an orgasmic birth. In person. In real life. Yes. I believe that they exist. Absolutely, 100%. I think it's a real thing. Have you seen an orgasmic birth? I haven't seen necessarily a woman having an orgasm, but I have seen a woman definitely feel pleasure. So not to the point of orgasm, but to the point of like, I'm really enjoying this sensation. Okay, please describe to me and the listeners <laughs> how this is possible. Um... Well, in her particular case, it was happening while she was pushing. And I think the amount of just, like, pressure and a bit of, like, stretching and new sensation and stuff was just generally very enjoyable for her. But she was also in a space in her own home and was very, like, calm and uh, felt very connected to her partner throughout her labor and, um, you know was enjoying yourself. Yeah, so oxytocin is the love hormone. And this is also the hormone that stimulates contractions. So it makes perfect sense that there would be um, sexual um, crossover and that affectionate and Mm -hmm. loving crossover. And especially if you're like a physical, tactile kind of person. But it sounds like what was happening with this lady, like particularly, was... The pressure yes. hit, hit something in her vagina. Yes. And it clearly was pleasurable. But she had also been making, I mean, a lot of women make very uh, sexual-like noises throughout labor and birth. Like if you closed your eyes, you'd be like, what exactly is happening? Um, but this particular woman, yes. Uh, she didn't necessarily get to orgasm, but it was very clear. And she reminisces on it that same way as well of like, oh, I could have continued doing that because it felt so good. Wow, that's amazing. (laughs) Yes, for sure. And there's plenty of, um, like, birth videos out there that, uh, you know, show this to be true. Yeah, I mean, it's a physiological part of what our bodies are capable of doing. Not common. Not common. (laughs) But also, um, it's 
there's also a piece of it that is mental and emotional. For sure. Too. So you need to be in a, you need to feel like you're safe. You need to feel like you're comfortable. You need to feel connected. You need to have all of those, like, right. Just like other orgasms. Yeah, exactly. For sure. Fun. Fascinating. Uh, What is your best advice clients rarely follow? So we're midwives, right? We give out a lot of advice, (laughs) a lot of counseling, a lot of education. Um, And so we find ourselves advising clients on a whole bunch of different things. And sometimes, depending on personality, they're like followed to a T or not followed at all or somewhere in between there. Um, But the best advice that client rarely follows I mean, I'm going to assume it's probably something like supplementation wise. Yeah. Or like these are the things that you can do to like take care of yourself in this particular way. And it kind of just falls off because life gets busy or, you know. Yeah, there's a lot of things that we re- end up recommending. So I think sometimes it gets lost. Yeah. And so we try not to just blanketly recommend everything to every person, but really hear what is going on in their lives and stuff. Yeah. But there are a few things that we emphasize preventatively that we're like, okay, we like all of our clients to take this. We like all of our clients to do this. We like all of our clients to do that because we just see the majority of women struggle less when they have this kind of on board. And so that's the part that's like, oh, if you don't follow it, we got behind the eight ball and now it's not preventative anymore. Now we have to actually like treat a thing. Yes, for sure. Also, one more (laughs) <laughs> yes. I think having realistic expectations oh, about birth. That's, that, I was just thinking that. I'm like, how to uh, verbalize that aspect. For yes. Sure. And like, ha- and talking to people. A lot of times I think people are kind of like afraid or they just want to say like, no, it's going to be fine. And just the, they're just going to have a great birth. <laughs> and so sometimes you get into conversations with clients where you're like, okay, let's talk about um, if this is really hard or really scary or really long. And they're kind of like, oh no, we're good. It's going to be good. And you're like, ah, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got we got to be prepared. Got to be yes. prepared for a hard thing. Yes, absolutely. You can go into like a happy little peace bubble, but you can still confront uh, the things, process all that. Fortunately, um, I was about to say also birth related. These are all birth related. <laughs> uh, have you noticed a difference with length, pain management, stuff like that, with labors when women have had a doula versus those who haven't? Was this a doula who asked this This question? This was a doula who asked the question. (laughs) She's kind of like, well, let's just ask, right? Somebody who sees this more often. Um, And so length of labor, not necessarily. No, I think there are statistics that um, do support that length of labor can sometimes be shortened with support, but not because you hired a doula. It's because you feel safe in your environment, because you have a supportive care provider, um, and often doulas can help bring those aspects into birth. Yes. But for sure, I mean, pain management-wise, in terms of, um, like, non-medication options, uh, yeah, for sure. Loving touch, encouraging words, uh, counter-pressure on back and hips and all that stuff. Like, doulas are worth their weight in gold, for sure. Yeah. And, and another common question we get is, do we need a doula at a home birth? Like, is that mm-hmm. still necessary? Because a huge part of what doulas do in hospital births um, are advocacy for their clients and helping them navigate usually like a natural birth mm-hmm. in a medicalized setting. And so we say, yes, you still can use a doula at home. It's never a bad thing to have more support on board than you think you'll need. It's so much better to look back and be like, well, I think we had too much help. 
instead of the opposite. Yeah, it's a little bit like an insurance policy, I suppose, right? Like you're happy to have it when you need it. And even when you don't necessarily, quote, need it, is that because you have, you know, yeah. Yeah. What came first? You're happy. Yeah. That's the bottom line. You're happy. Yes. And you will like it, okay? Actually, you might not, and that's okay. Um, Can you talk about pushing? Why do some people say you have to hold your breath and push hard and others say just breathe deeply and don't hold your breath at all? Is there one, quote, better than the other? Yes. Of course there is. Was this another doula? This was not another doula. (laughs) Yeah, of course there's a better way to push. The best way to push is after having a physiological labor, which means that your body was able to progress through labor um, virtually unassisted, that it was able to just go through labor on its own pattern and its own timeline Mm -hmm. and to reach a pushing phase um, without getting messed with and for you to then continue um, leading your pushing effort with your own feedback in your own body about what you think is going to feel right and be right and yeah I mean that's sort of the uh, definition right of like physiological birth is allowing all of those things and connecting with those things and allowing your body to do what it's going to do now of course that's not to say there's not a place for that like hard kind of coached style pushing yeah we had to do that recently yeah with a physiological right labor so of course like the preference right is to listen to your body and all of that not that she wasn't listening to her body but we just had to give a lot more feedback because there were compounding circumstances yeah and so so it is useful to have it in your back pocket but as a general rule should we be holding our breath counting um bearing down for a set amount of time and frequency during labor no yeah that's like kind of rushed to as like the first thing like this is what pushing is and that's not true however if you have an epidural yeah you might not have all of your um sensations yes up and about and so you might really rely on that type of pushing in order to get your baby out which is what we all want getting your baby out Um, why do some people have such long labors? Oof. I don't know. (laughs) Tell me why. Who knows the answer to this question? It's a multifactorial. So many things that go into the length of labor. I mean, so many things, including like position of baby. What's going on with mom's like pelvic bone situation? You know, like there's a hundred different things that we could talk about um, what makes a length of labor. But at the end of the day, we can't look at you and say, according to my calculations, your labor is going to last like X amount of time. And some labors go long and some go short. And sometimes we have zero understanding of why that is. Yeah. I mean, the thing that, uh, that I believe affects the length of labor the most is the mom's ability to surrender and work with the process. For sure. So you're able to do that when you're in a comfortable environment with people taking care of you that you trust and you know and trust the process. You're able to kind of surrender to it and let your body do the work. I think some of the longest labors come from women fighting them or being afraid of them or having people around them that are fearful. Yeah, for sure. 
And of course, it's like, again, like Tiffany said, there's many, many things. So you may be somebody who's like, I was totally not afraid of birth and accepting it and surrendering and doing all the things. My labor was still like four days long. Um, And that's not your fault. No. Like sometimes there's just things that are happening, right? Yeah. Oftentimes it's positioning and or pelvis like anatomy. Yes. um, That we're seeing that we are working to help. Resolve as much as possible. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Can you still have pelvic floor problems from pregnancy if you had a cesarean? She writes, I'm pretty sure I do, but I didn't push or even labor at all. Yes, you 100% can. You can have pelvic floor issues if you've never been pregnant. Yes. I feel like that's like a big misunderstanding is the idea that like, oh, women who like push out a baby out of their vagina are the ones whose pelvic floors... Get all messed up. Yeah. No. You know what messes up pelvic floors? I'll tell you. (laughs) Tell us, Tiffany. Poor nutrition and diet, Mm. not enough hydration, Mm. terrible posture, having a sedentary lifestyle, not engaging the correct gluteal muscles as you move about your day, and not having enough activity in order to generate the muscles that hold your structure in. Boom. So... Um, It's really common for things to come up after pregnancy or with um, or after birth for women because there's just a whole lot of pressure down in that area that sometimes things can like get, you know, disturbed easily. But it has nothing to do with a vaginal birth most of the time. Absolutely. Yeah, I actually had a friend who had, um, after her first vaginal birth, had some issues with her pelvic floor and when she got pregnant the second time around, everyone around her was like, you're probably just going to have a cesarean this time, right? Because like that was such a hard recovery and whatever. And she's like, actually, I've done my research and that wouldn't impact it whatsoever. And like she had already done a lot of work uh, to support it already before getting pregnant again. But uh, a lot of people around her and around us, no matter what, just uh, don't have a correct understanding of how the pelvic floor actually works. So. Yeah, you can, uh, you can wind it back to the <clears throat> pelvic floor episode where we give quite a bit of information on how to know if you are currently experiencing dysfunction because a huge majority of us are, and we're just kind of hobbling along. We don't even realize it. Mm-hmm. Uh, last question. Best advice for a first-time mom. She writes, I'm six weeks pregnant, and it was a surprise, so I'm not even sure what I don't know. Which, BTW, that statement is so good. Like, she realizes that there are things that she doesn't know and doesn't know what she doesn't know. Right? Yeah. Find yourself in a humble place in the yeah. beginning. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's it's so great. I don't know if I have like a one best advice uh, piece, but I, because there's multiple ways you can go with that, but uh, choose your care provider wisely. Right? Yeah. It seems like this person is not going to have much of an influence when you look at Western medical culture. Like... The doctor sees you for five minutes, you show up at the hospital, he comes in right at the end to catch your baby. It or just whoever's on call. Yeah. I'm not even there. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't seem like the person that you choose to support you matters very much, but it does. Yeah, it absolutely does. It impacts a ton of things, including all of the counseling you can potentially receive throughout pregnancy to help you continue to have uh, the most comfortable, low-risk uh, well-nourished pregnancy, um, to 
having the most straightforward low risk birth postpartum all of those things uh there's a big impact that a care provider makes whether you're spending five minutes like an ob or like an hour right each time like we do with our clients so uh that would be like my best advice starting out because that for sure like infiltrates into all different parts of your prenatal birth postpartum intro to parenting all of that uh, experience yeah and you can still decide um that the hospital is the place where you feel the most comfortable having your baby and take extra supportive measures into your team with you for example kelly and i will provide a package, you know, to hospital birthing women in San Diego where they can choose to continue to see their OB, choose to go to the hospital to have their baby, but we will come alongside them and give parallel care for their whole prenatal period Mm -hmm. and do our full year of postpartum package for them the same way that we do for our own clients. And so you can find support and, um, and bring on that extra resource for sure. And 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 wherever you know wherever you live, you can find extra support like that. Yeah, and I think that's part of like not knowing what you don't know. Recognizing like, oh, if I actually research and search these things out, um, your horizons may be expanded quite a bit versus what you would get in like quote normal uh, obstetrical care. Yeah, and I have one more thing to add to that oh, do you? person. Well, I have like 20 things to add. <laughs> I do too. I'm going to say one more thing. Yeah. Do not listen to people's advice that did not have the outcome that you are working towards. Mm. Right? Mm. So there's lots of people who are going to tell you lots of things, and you can just be polite and nod. But you need to find the people who have actually sought and achieved the type of experience that you're looking for. Because you'll hear a lot of people say, oh, yeah, I was trying to have that kind of birth too, but just didn't work out for me. Or um, I did everything I could, but I just couldn't make it work. And that is totally true for some people Mm -hmm. in situations. But the majority of people... Um, who end up disappointed with their birth experience did not plan ahead and prepare and um, gather a a correct support system to get them to where they want to be. So start backwards. Find the people who have had the birth, who have actually done it, and then work backwards and, and talk to those people about their experiences and what they did and how they took control of their... Um, you know, choice and health yes. and, and uh, make p- turn those people into your friends. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not necessarily the outcome in terms of like, oh, they had this like natural vaginal birth that was amazing and she had an orgasm. And it was, you know, all of that. But like, oh, the way I want to feel is supported, loved, cared for, respected, all of those things. Because um, that can happen in any type of birth situation, any kind of birth outcome. But it does come back to like, what Tiffany was saying, finding the people who felt like that at their birth, who had that experience, and then figuring, like, kind of unraveling it from there. Yeah. So. Yeah. Because you'll have plenty of people come say, oh, yeah, you want to hear about my terrible birth? Mm. And you're like, oh, please, yes. I would, I'd love to. I do. I want to hear about your terrible birth. I'm pretty sure it's, like, how people 
like people want to share it because they're like, I need somewhere to put this. I need to actually process it myself and there's nowhere else to do so. And this yeah. is the only, right? Yeah. And they think that they're like helping, you yeah. know, they're, they're like trying to come full circle and like a don't get traumatized like I did mm-hmm. kind of a thing. Okay. Let's round out this episode with like a couple of our favorite birth and pregnancy resources that people could go run to. Um, well, so a couple my favorite, like, research-based stuff is called evidencebasedbirth.com. Yeah. Dot, dot com. Probably. We'll put it yeah. in our show notes. Yes. Um, that's got a ton of, like, the evidence for fill-in-the-blank, right? Like, GBS testing, uh, gestational diabetes, uh, should you get induced because your doctor says you're going to have a big baby, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, very scientific, which mm-hmm. is very appealing. Yes, for sure. Uh, I like Spinning Babies. Oh, yeah. Spinning Babies is a really wonderful, super easy to, like, learn Mm -hmm. on the website um, how to get your baby in the most optimal position for birth throughout pregnancy, throughout labor, and then, you know, up until the point that you're pushing your baby out. Yeah. Those are two excellent choices. So good. Yeah. Um, The Happy Home Birth podcast oh so good yeah, so good that's a great one um even if you're not necessarily planning a home birth but just to hear some birth stories of women who are sharing both like joyous and hard um things in a very uh vulnerable and sweet way yeah it's really important to listen to um stories like with a purpose yes exactly yeah excellent yeah Okay. Well, here was our very first episode all about birth stuff. We're going to be touching base with you guys. Are there questions left unanswered? Are there Mm -hmm. things you still want to know? Did questions come up as we were explaining things? Yeah. Yeah. And so you can find us on Instagram this week um, where we will be happily chatting away about this one. We will catch you... When will we catch you? Oh, shoot, you guys. We're going on a break. Yeah, I was like, we'll catch you at some point. <laughs> this is the end of season I three. Know, um, So it'll be the very first week in April? Sure. Because this will this will air at the end of February. Yeah. So the very... Uh, we'll the see first... you in April at some point in April. It'll be great. You'll know when we're back. <laughs> <laughs> We are not to be missed. But if you if you have not yet subscribed to our podcast, click that button to subscribe and then your phone will tell you when we're back. Yeah. Good old phone. Yeah. Okay, Gainers. We'll catch you in season four. Woohoo! Woo! Bye. The sponsor of today's show is Whole Mother Co., a fun give back shop that includes you, the busy mama, in making an impact with your purchases. Your partnership raises money promotes awareness, and supports the mother-friendly causes you care about. Use code WINEANDGUIDE at wholemotherco.com to get $5 off your first order. Wow, Kelly, they made it all the way to the end. What did they win? Lady, you've won a priceless connection with your amazing body that you've been doing your fab life in. Our hope is we've gifted you with some information and perspective you can use. Sharing is caring, and our mission is to make these topics familiar to all women. We bet you can think of three people right now who will find this episode helpful. 
so be a pal and share it. Lastly, you won't want to miss a thing coming up in Wine and Gun, so subscribe to get all the tasty details directly to your ears. Have a great day, vagina experts!